0: Greetings, Crosspoint Church and friends of Crosspoint. It seems that uh, today would be a good time for me to say a few words of gratitude to you. Uh, It seems that week after week, uh, we make almost no mention of the giving. Of course, we don't take an offering in the service during these COVID days when we've been in-house. But I need to, I need to thank you for the way that you have displayed God's faithfulness during these uncertain days by your by your continued generosity, by your faithful giving to your church. It, it's just been amazing. I believe the way that through this whole time since since March, where we have been at times having no in-person services and yet you've continued to support your church. 2 Corinthians chapter nine, verse six reads this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must, must each make up your own mind As to how much you should give, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I believe those words describe you cross-pointers, and I thank you and I bless you today. Father, I do indeed thank you for those who have stood by the church during these days with their financial giving and support, and I bless them today in your name. Now, Father, as we look to your word, I pray that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. Today we're beginning a new sermon series from probably the best known sermon recorded in all of Scripture, the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. The title of this first message in our series, It's an Upside-Down World, is simply this, You are the salt, you are the light. The year was 1969, Los Angeles pitcher Don Sutton hadn't won a game in eight weeks. It just seemed like it was loss after loss after loss. The press was very critical. They were recommending that he be replaced, benched. They called him a loser. And the future looked bleak for Sutton. He felt terrible, and then one day before a game, the Dodger manager, Walter Alston, tapped him on the shoulder and said, I'd like to speak with you, Don, and Sutton prepared himself for the worse. Don said, Alston, I know how the past couple of months have been for you. Everyone's wondering whether we can make it to the playoffs And you know there's a lot of pressure, and I've had to make a decision. And Sutton's now thinking, "Uh uh-oh, here it comes. I'm in trouble. I'm being replaced. And then Alston continued, and he said, if the Dodgers are going to win this year, he said, they're going to win with Don Sutton pitching. Come what may, you're my pitcher. That's all I wanted to say, Don. You're it. Two weeks later, Sutton broke out of his losing streak and won 13 of his last 14 games he pitched in that baseball season. Now I want you to consider the words of Jesus that we're looking at today Matthew chapter 5, first book of the New Testament, chapter 5, verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is it if the salt has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as useless. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden... No one lights a lamp and then puts it under the basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus is saying... To the crowd he's speaking to that day, you're it. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And I need to remind you today that Jesus spoke those words to a group of people that the culture around them would consider them losers. This crowd around him, a motley crew of farmers and fishermen, tax collectors, housewives, and children, all from tiny villages in an obscure part of the world. And Jesus is saying to them, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Must have sounded absurd even them. But but Jesus looked at this bunch and he saw the core of his followers. He saw those that would change the world forever, and they did. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world, he said, and so they were. You know something else? So are you. You are the salt. You are the light. Now, it's interesting, both the salt, both salt and light were highly valued in the first century world. Do you know what a jingle is? I think you do, an advertising slogan usually set to a tune, uh, to a melody. Maybe you, some of you might remember this one from way back in 1971. I'd like to buy the world a Coke. Still is popular in some places today. This one from 1992, I feel like chicken tonight. Now the Romans had a jingle which was done in Latin. Translated in English, that jingle read went like this. There's nothing more useful than sun and salt doesn't really work does it doesn't really jingle very well but Jesus here is making the point and the culture believed that salt and light were important and Jesus looked at them and said you are the salt you are the light so let's spend a few minutes looking first at salt and then at light taking a look at what Jesus is saying and what that means and how it applies to you and to me Here's the first thing I would say. Salt purifies. The first century Romans thought that salt was the purest of all things. And maybe it was. Its glistening whiteness uh, made that connection perhaps easy. White, pureness. And on that day, Jesus' listeners, though, would certainly have understood what he was telling them. He was stressing that his followers must be an example of purity. It seems that the world around us, many places, standards are slipping, standards of honesty, truth-telling. In an ethics class at a Christian college, the professor asked this question, under what conditions are you willing to tell the truth? And he was startled by to hear the answers that the students in the class came back with. Uh, He was hearing from the students that truth-telling was optional, or or at least it was restricted to certain environments. He asked, should one always tell the truth? And he heard back from the students, well, it would depend. Shading the truth, half-truths, white lies. Everyone does that. Exaggeration, commonplace. It's no big deal. But but Jesus is saying, you are the salt of the earth. It, It is important. Jesus calls us to purity of speech, calls us to purity of conduct, purity even in thought, even deeper. Jesus tells us that our motives ought to be pure. When Mahatma Gandhi was the spiritual leader of India, He was asked on one occasion by Christian missionaries, what's the greatest hindrance to Christianity in India, in your opinion? Do you know what his response was? He said, the greatest hindrance to Christianity in India is Christians. He was saying, too many Christians are not salty. You, Jesus said, you must be, you are the salt of the earth. So salt purifies. Here's the next thing I would have you notice. Jesus is reminding them that salt preserves. In that ancient world salt was the preservative. There were no freezers, no refrigeration, no ice, at least not in the Middle East. And salt salt was the means of keeping things from going bad. Now I had occasionally eaten salt fish as a young man, being my parents from southwest Nova Scotia raised there, but I didn't understand how or, or how it was made. And so after moving to southwest Nova Scotia myself in 1983, I remember my first trip out to a small village, Sanford, and I, and I watched them salt the fish. They took these uh, big cement boxes, cement boxes, maybe five by five, and stood about four feet high. And, and in those cement boxes, they'd put water and then layers of fish, layers of salt, uh, layers of fish, layer more salt, and keep layers, making those layers until they reached near the top. And, and it would create all that salt and water and fish It created a brine and it would sit there for days and then they would take it out and almost look like clotheslines. They would hang the fish outside on warm sunny sunny days to dry. Someone said one time, fresh fish and company both smell after three days. Well, I don't know about company, but fish does. But salt preserves fish indefinitely. Jesus is saying, you are the salt. You are the preservative in a culture that tends to go bad. Isn't that true? We all know there are certain people in whose company it's easy to be good. They're salt. There's also certain people in in whose company it's easy for standards to be relaxed. There are certain people in whose presence and off-color story would readily be told and there are other people to whom to whom no one would ever dream of telling such a story jesus is saying you are the salt salt purifies salt purifies salt preserves then notice next salt salt flavors salt gives Flavor to food, food without any salt, is tasteless and flat. And and Christianity is to life what salt is to food. We are to give life flavor. Isn't it sad that many people out there think, they think quite the opposite and has always been so? After Emperor Constantine, way back in the 4th century, made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire, after his rule, there came to the throne another emperor by the name of Julian, who wished to, he wished to put the clock back and to bring back the old gods. And here is his complaint. Have you looked at these Christians closely, hollow-eyed, pale-cheeked? They brood their lives away, unspurred by ambition. The sun shines for them, but they don't see it. The earth offers them its fullness, but they desire it not. All their desire is to renounce and to suffer so that they might come to die. As Julian saw it, Christianity took the vividness out of life. Sad. Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted so much like undertakers. Robert Louis Stevenson once entered in his diary as if he was recording an extraordinary phenomenon. He wrote, I have been to church today and I'm not depressed. Church, church ought to be a joy booster for us. You are the salt. In a COVID-stressed world, Jesus is saying, we should be the ones that remain serene. In a depressed world, Jesus is saying, you are the ones who remain full of joy. Jesus is saying, in a pessimistic world, you are the optimist. You see, to be salt means that we're to give flavor to a flat and tasteless world. We're the joy dispensers. Salt purifies, salt preserves, salt flavors. Here's the fourth thing salt does. Salt makes one thirsty. I lived out in the country when I was a kid until I was nine in rural New Brunswick up in Victoria County, and about a half half a mile from our house, there was a cow pasture. We played around the cow cow pasture, but not in it. And if you know anything about cow pastures, maybe you'd understand why we didn't play in the pasture. Attached to the fence of the cow pasture was a block of salt that they put there for the cows. and, And the cows would lick that block of salt... Uh, I'm just assuming today, I've never talked to a farmer about this, I assume that it would make the cows thirsty, and then they would drink more, and they would give more milk. Well, uh, we used to play around that pasture, and guess what? We, uh, we licked that block of salt too. Now, we didn't lick it, of course, Well the cows licked it, we, but we did we'd find ourselves licking that block of salt. And you know what it did for us? It would make us thirsty, and then we would head out for a brook or even the river that was close by and go down and have a drink. It made us thirsty. We ought to be making. Jesus is saying it's the business of our lives to make people thirsty for the living water. You are the Salt. Salt purifies it preserves it gives flavor it makes one thirsty you are the salt now let's take a look at light Jesus said you are the light of the world notice about light light does really two things light dispels the darkness you are the light of the world we just read like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Light dispels darkness. In Jesus' day, the houses in Palestine were very dark with only one, perhaps only one little circular window, uh, perhaps not more than 18 inches across and well off the floor. And the lamp was... The lamp was like a sauce-filled boat, uh, sauce boat filled with oil with the wick floating in it. And the primary duty, of course, of light, uh, to, the light from the lamp was to push back the darkness. It's difficult not to overestimate the importance of light. During my three seminary years, we lived in Kentucky. One Saturday, we decided to check out the caves in the southern part of the state, They're about 90 miles away from where we lived. And when we got down there, a guide took us deep underground, uh, down into the ground through tunnels. When we got down there. They had these things. You've You've seen pictures of them stalactites, they were cone shaped things that would hang from the ceiling of these caves. And then there were the stalagmites, the cone shaped things that stood on the floor. And as we were down there, deep underground, then the guide said these words I'm going to turn out the lights, and I want you to hang on to the railing in front of you, hang on to each other, because it's going to be dark, dark like you've never experienced it before. Well, he turned out the light, and I've never seen darkness like that. I'm not sure that makes sense. It was utter darkness. There, there There was no waiting for your eyes to adjust. You know how that is. Sometimes you turn the light out in a bedroom, and it's it's very dark, and then your eyes adjust. There was no adjusting. There was no light, none down there. It was utter darkness. It affected your balance. Your depth perception was affected. And then our guide turned on, turned on a very small pen light. That doesn't seem like a very bright light in this room. But down there that day, deep in those caves, what a wonderful sight that was. Every, every, the, the darkness was pushed back, and, and every, every eye went to the light. Sometimes we think, sometimes we're inclined to think, well, my, my light's not very bright. In a dark world, your light can make a tremendous difference. You, you are the You are the light. In in the ordinary activities of the world, the the way we respond, we can be lights in the way we respond to the the government's COVID protocols. We can be light. Our Christianity should be visible in the way we uh, treat a clerk in a store, across the counter, in the way we order a meal in a restaurant in a way we treat in our employees or our employer, in the way we drive a car, in, in the daily language we use, in the literature we read, the TV we watch, the websites we visit. Notice here, I want you to notice, Jesus didn't say, you are the light of the church. He said, you are the light of the world, meaning that we are to... Let our light shine out there. One more thing about light. Light shows the way. The Old Testament prophets speaking of the coming Messiah, the Christ, wrote, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus had been telling his disciples for three years that he, he himself, was the light of the world. And then he prepared to leave, he began to switch and say to his disciples, as here in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. And as lights, we show the way. It's the business of our lives to point to Jesus as the light. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he said these words I'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready. I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to the place where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's what we do. We point to Jesus as the way. He is the way. We're like lights at an airport strip. It was a year or two ago. I was flying into Moncton one evening, and the cloud ceiling was very low. And as the plane was descending, I was getting nervous. The plane was coming down, down, of course, closer to the ground. I could see nothing. What a welcome sight when that plane dropped from the clouds and I could see ahead of me the landing lights of of home. That's the business of our lives. Jesus is reminding us it's our business to shine the light to help people get home. You are the light. Now just two cautions as I conclude here today. Two cautions, and here's the first. Don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. Don't shake too much salt. Too much salt ruins everything. Like the time I was eating a meal and shaking salt on my meal, and the head of the salt shaker came off, and I dumped salt all over my food, and it ruined ruined the meal. 1 Peter 3, verse 16 reminds us that when we're out there as salt and light interacting, we should... Not overdo it. We should do it with gentleness and respect. Don't overdo it. Here's the second reminder. Don't shine the light in their eyes. In First Peter 3 verses 1 and 2, Peter is telling wives how to act towards a mate who is not a believer. But I believe that the scripture applies not only to those who are, have a spouse who isn't a believer, but isn't this true for all of us? We have people we love, we have family members, we have relatives, we have friends, we have neighbors who wouldn't profess to be a believer. This advice suits us. Don't shine the light in their eyes. Peter puts it this way, your godly lives will speak to them better than any words. They will be won over by watching your pure godly behavior. Don't talk too much, Peter's saying don't preach don't nag That's shining the light in your eyes and if you do that they can't see you jesus said are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world shake some salt it's no good inside the shaker it has to be outside the shaker it has to be out there shine your light in a dark dark world Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your words telling us we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Father, increase our saltiness. Speak to us, convince us, convict us where we have allowed some of the saltiness to ebb away. Refresh us this day, I pray. And Father, help us to shine the light. Help us to see that maybe we think our wattage is low. Maybe we think our light isn't bright enough to make a difference. Help us to see, Father, as we shine in a dark place, in a dark world, that we can make a huge difference. Let us be the salt. Let us be the light. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.